0: Uh, The cross is easily the most recognisable symbol of Christianity. Uh, We see it in jewellery. We find it in church architecture. uh, We even see it cropping up all over the place in popular culture. Uh, The death of Jesus, and particularly the cross, uh, is instantly recognisable for its association with the Christian faith and with Jesus himself. Now, I think in lots of ways, it's right that we focus on the cross. Uh, It's the means of our salvation. But in many other ways, it's a rather odd symbol for anyone to want to fixate on. Uh, A crucifixion was an ancient instrument of torture and of execution. It's a strange thing to want to wear that on a chain around your neck uh, or to put it out the front of your church building. I mean, just think about it. If Jesus had been executed by hanging, I wonder how comfortable you'd feel about having a noose or the gallows as the dominant symbol of your faith. The death of Jesus is a confronting and a polarising event for all kinds of reasons. And there are many who find the whole concept of his death deeply offensive. Uh, This is Richard Dawkins, uh, a famously outspoken atheist, uh, author of a book called The God Delusion. Uh, And for him, he said that the notion of Jesus dying as a sacrifice, a sacrifice for our sins, is a vicious, uh, sadomasochistic and repellent idea. And he's not alone. Others have famously labelled what happens on the cross as an act of divine child abuse. Uh, even in the ancient world, the idea that you might celebrate a crucifixion was a laughable concept. Uh, there's a piece of ancient graffiti, and some of you may have seen this, It captures that sentiment. Uh, this was drawn on a wall sometime in the first or the second century after Jesus died. And it's a depiction of a crucified man with a donkey's head. And the inscription reads, aleximenos worships his god. See, for the pagan Greek, the Christian's crucified saviour was a ridiculous idea, a joke, good fodder for a bit of satirical cartoon work. There's no doubt that the death of Jesus is a divisive thing. And sadly, it's become increasingly common for many Christian churches to downplay and even ignore what the Bible teaches about Jesus' death. It's seen as a bit distasteful or violent or repulsive. But you can't understand Christianity, you can't understand who Jesus is without properly understanding his death. And you'll never grasp the immense value of Jesus unless you first grapple with our need for his death. We only do ourselves and Jesus' and our world a great disservice when we trim the message about him of all things that we think are difficult or hard to accept. Now, the section that we're looking at today in the Apostles' Creed uh, talks about the death of Jesus. Uh, but if I could make a criticism of the Apostles' Creed at this point, um, it really just lists off the events that occurred of Jesus around that time. It talks about how Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Uh, It lists off these facts about Jesus, and I'm sure we would all want to agree and want to affirm the fact that Jesus died in that way. Very few would want to deny the historical fact that Jesus died on a Roman cross. But believing those facts about the death of Jesus is not what makes you a Christian and is not what makes his death effective for you. The more important question that we're going to be thinking about this morning is why? Why did Jesus die and why does that even matter? So why don't we start with what Jesus himself thought about his death. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45, it records for us what Jesus thought and said about his impending death. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus here explains that he understood why he'd come, that he'd come in fact to give his life, to lay it down. And Jesus here alludes to the purpose of his death, where he talks about being a ransom for many. Jesus understood that his death would be for others. There's a great verse in the book of Hebrews that expands on this explanation. In chapter 9, verse 26, we read, he's appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. I really love how this verse describes what Jesus achieves through his death, that he came to do away with sin, to make an end of it. Now of course Jesus couldn't simply click his fingers and make sin disappear. That's not how God's justice works. For our sin to be done away with, the penalty must be paid. But this verse also tells us how Jesus does away with our sin. That he does it by the sacrifice of himself. That is what is happening when Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus dies there as a sacrifice to do away with sin. There's a a term that scholars use to try and explain and help people understand what's going on when Jesus dies. Uh, They talk about PSA, Penal Substitutionary Atonement. Now, stay with me because it's not as complicated as it sounds. Uh, It's simply by talking about the different aspects of the cross. That is, it's penal, as in it's a penalty. Jesus is being punished for sin. It's substitutionary because he dies in the place of others. He's a substitute. And atonement is simply to talk about how his death actually is effective uh, in paying the price for sin. It atones for sin. In Jesus' death, God's wrath is satisfied. Justice has been done. And so it's P-S-A, Penal Substitutionary Atonement. The passage that we had read for us in Isaiah earlier uh, makes this clear for us and spells this out. It emphasises over and over again that there the suffering servant of God is, is suffering not because of what he has done, not for his own sins, but for others' And so in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, we have these wonderful words. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is this suffering servant, the innocent victim. It's not because of any violence or wrongdoing on his part that he dies. No, but he is carrying the sin of others. It's because he chooses to take upon himself our transgressions, our iniquities. The people of Isaiah's day would have been perfectly familiar with the concept of sacrifice and substitution Back in the Old Testament, God gave his people, the Jews, this system for dealing with sin. But it involved the taking of a life, the shedding of blood. If you had broken God's law, if you had sinned, something had to be done. And to deal with that, you would take an animal, a young lamb or a young goat, and take that with you to the temple. And there you would hand it over to the priest. And you place your hand on that animal's head. And this symbolized the transference of your guilt onto the animal. And then the priest would take out a knife and slit that animal's throat. And you would feel its life ebb away as its blood poured out. It was a gruesome business. It cost this innocent animal its life. Now, these sacrifices that God asked His people to perform were a constant reminder to them of what sin meant—that it had a terrible price, that its penalty involved the shedding of blood. And the sacrifices of these animals reminded God's people both of God's wrath against sin, of their need of God's forgiveness, but it also taught them that another could stand in their place. But Isaiah here is writing about something new. He does not write about a lamb, but a human figure, God's servant, one who would come and be punished in the place of others. If you've ever wondered why Jesus is sometimes called the Lamb of God, it's not because he's cute and meek and mild. It's because he came to die in our place a sacrifice to take away sin. And on that cross, that's what he does. He takes our punishment and he atones for our sin. And he does it as an act of love for you. This is love. Not that love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our guilt, our shame, our punishment, it was all placed on Jesus. But he does it willingly out of love for you. This was God's plan, his doing, his desire, so that your sin and my sin could be done away with. You might have seen uh, this message on a sign outside a church, maybe printed on a T-shirt. I've seen it on a few beach mission T-shirts. It's been doing the rounds for a while now. It's a great line Jesus did a trade, his life for yours. Jesus' greatest work was to give his life for you. Jesus' death does even more than make it possible for our sins to be forgiven. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Jesus' suffering brings us peace. His wounds bring healing. Jesus came to restore us to a right relationship With God. That's the purpose of His atonement. Of the forgiveness that He offers us. That we might know God as we should. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 puts it this way. Once, I haven't got that one. Oh, here it is. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. To present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. We were estranged from God, separated from him, lost, unknown to him and him to us. But Jesus comes to bring reconciliation. His death means that we can now stand before God without blemish. Stand before God as those who are free from accusation because the price has been paid. You, you can't sum up what the death of Jesus is about or what it achieves in a single word or a single idea. Perhaps salvation might be as close as we come, but that's why the Bible talks about it in a range of different ways, to give us a, a sense of its richness and its fullness. His sacrifice brings about redemption and atonement. It brings reconciliation. It brings healing. It brings forgiveness and cleansing. All of these things are made possible for us through the death of Jesus. If you're going to appreciate the value of Jesus dying, you have to see that it was necessary that there was no other way to deal with our sin, that we needed a saviour. When Jesus goes to the cross, God's right and just judgement on sin is being measured out, not on those who were deserving of it, but on the innocent son of God. If we stop talking about that, if we stop talking about the death of Jesus and what it means, well, there are consequences for that. I think we'll, for starters, we'll, be, uh, we'll end up with a very weak view of sin if we don't consider what it costs in order to deal with our sin. And if we don't comprehend the wonder of what it means that Jesus would come into the world and give his life for us, we'll end up with a rather incomplete and inadequate view of God himself. Some people are happy to talk about Jesus' death only as a perhaps an example of sacrificial love. Others want to emphasise that Jesus died as a warning to us about the corruptions of power or the evils of selfishness. And There's no doubt that Jesus' death can represent all of that and be a talking point for all of those things as well. But we do need to be careful that out of perhaps a well-intentioned desire to make the gospel less offensive to people, more positive perhaps, that we don't end up denying or ignoring what the Bible makes very explicit. It's very clear in what it wants us to understand and appreciate, that Jesus suffered and died for our sin in our place as a sacrifice, as our substitute, so that you and I could be forgiven by God. Let's not be ashamed of this suffering servant, because that's how God saves us. And let's not be afraid to speak of God's judgment or of sin or of the wrath of God. There is a sovereign God who has the right to judge and who is just in his punishment. We use the term good news to talk about the message of the gospel, but in many ways this is not an easy message to hear or to communicate because it's so confronting. The cross of Jesus says that our hearts need renewing, that our sins need forgiving, and that God sent Jesus into this world because we needed saving. Have you ever come to the point where you've recognised that the death of Jesus was not just something for the world, but that in fact it was necessary For you, that Jesus needed to pay the price for your sin? Have you ever acknowledged before God that you needed the Son of God to give His life for you? Have you called out to Him for forgiveness in Jesus' name? Have you put your trust in Him? If you've never done that, why don't you do that today? Take hold of the new life that Jesus offers you. For those of us that have already thrown our lot in with Jesus, remember that this is a message about him that we have to share. God has promised to be at work growing his kingdom, bringing people into reconciliation with him as we share this truth about who his son is and what he's done. So can I encourage you to persevere with this sometimes difficult job of bringing this confronting news before those that you know and love? And remember that if we empty the death of Jesus of its meaning and of its purpose, we'll inevitably rob ourselves and others of the wonder and the joy that's to be found in the blessings that come through the death of Jesus. The cross may be a confronting message, but it is also uh, the greatest comfort that any of us could know. To know that the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. To know that by His wounds we are healed. To know that God will no longer count your sins against you because they've been dealt with by Jesus. To know that you are at peace with God. That there is healing for the wounds of sin. If you trust in Jesus, these are all blessings that belong to you. There on the cross, sin is dealt with, our guilt and our shame. He took it all and made an end of it. This is the beauty of the cross. Never stop giving thanks to God for what he has given you in Jesus.